Hello, and welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, podcast dedicated to bringing you the revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin T. Myers, and today I'm unfortunately alone. And since I am alone, and I wanted to talk to you guys about this first thing anyways, we can talk about why Chris isn't here. Now, Chris has some life situations where uh, it's not always the best for him, so right now he's trying to figure out his living arrangements and uh, how he's going to be getting around in life now. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail since it is his, you know, his thing. I don't want to uh, share more than I'm supposed to with you guys, but I'd like to take a minute and pray with you guys over him and uh, pray for his safety and pray for that he uh, gets to a place where he can join us once again for this podcast because he really he really uh, enjoys this he he gets a lot out of this he he loves sharing the word with people so uh, if we could just take a minute and pray for him uh, I'll lead us in prayer in that Father thank you for bringing Chris to us and and helping us start this podcast. We really appreciate all Chris has done, and uh, we appreciate you bringing him to us in, in the time, or to me specifically, in the time of need. I needed a co-host to really get this podcast going, and I really appreciate that. Uh, we pray over his protection and that he's safe in, in what he's dealing with, and that he does find a living situation that works better for him and that uh, you would enable him to be able to get the things he needs to join us again for this podcast, because he does find that very fulfilling. Uh, so please, please watch over him and uh, protect him for us and bring him back to us as soon as possible. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. And then, so just keep praying for him, please. I'm going to pray for him. I haven't heard from him in a few days, but he did contact me last week to update me on what's going on. So I don't think he's gone for a good. I think he'll come back some point. He just, for some reason, can't uh, talk to me right now. So last episode, we had some uh, technical difficulties. If you managed to download the podcast the first couple days, uh, and then, I completely forgot to fix it and get it set up like soon thereafter. So I'm terribly sorry about that. But uh, my recording or not my recording, my editing software has been updated. So for whatever reason, uh, I have, I have the, the music bumpers and the audio tracks on different tracks. But uh, I guess when you export with a track selected, it only exports that track. So if you downloaded early, you got a 40-minute uh, video or audio file with only the music bumpers on it, and uh, it's probably very loud. And I'm sorry about that. Um, if if stuff like that happens again, I'm going to try my best to get on that quicker and get that you know uh, fixed before anyone really can notice, uh, or just pay more attention when I'm. Uh, taking it out of my, my editing software and actually take out the entire track, not just the bumpers. Um, so that's my fault. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, my bad on getting that taken care of correctly. Last episode, we talked about Amos 6, where 
Amos was really starting to get after Israel and Jerusalem for their kind of complacency and slothfulness, and they're just being okay with the obscene amounts of sin that happened within Jerusalem. And uh, he really didn't like, or he didn't like how they would tolerate the sin and they would act a lot like the other pagan and non-believing empires around Jerusalem and they would uh, they would still think that they were God's chosen people even though they were acting like everyone else and God's laws are all about making them stand out when it comes to just how the world operates instead of him necessarily or excuse me instead of them being just like everyone else and it's something that we're called to today you know we we want to look different than most people we don't want to react in ways that the world would react uh, we want to react in ways that god would react sort of thing and uh that's that's where we we get the idea that we need to be more like jesus so Continuing on today, we're going to go over Amos chapter 7 for all those of you who like to read along with this. Uh, it's again, it's not the nice thing about Amos is they're pretty small chapters, and especially uh, where I think we're going to be going next. I think I really think uh, we got two more chapters here in Amos, so another month of this, and then I really, really feel like we should go into Isaiah and. Uh, some of you probably inwardly groaned at that, and I can understand why, because we could be in the book of Isaiah for, oh, two and a half years, I believe, is the math at the current uh, rate. So I'm going to you know, put it out to you. Uh, we can break up the Isaiah chapters, you know, do a chunk of them at a time. I was thinking, you know, maybe 20 episodes or 22 episodes chunks you know we'd go over the first part of isaiah and then after you know 22 weeks of that we take a break and go to something else and then come back at some point for the second part of isaiah uh, a lot of this podcast is just archiving for people to listen to at any other point uh especially at the point where we're we're talking more about the chapters and less about uh, popular topics uh that I, that's why I really pulled back from talking about the news too much. It's because I, I'd rather this be more evergreen content than necessarily something that's tied to a specific point in time. However, I do think having those timestamps kind of things where, you know, this was relevant to us at the time of the recording, it's important too. Uh, just maybe not spending 15 minutes an episode doing it. Uh, so that's why we try to keep that to a minimum. And not to mention the way I think prayer works is that you can pray for things that have already happened. So uh, you can, since God is not a God bound by time, you can pray for things that have already happened and you can be grateful for them or, or you can, you know, pray that God continues to have them happen. So from God's perspective, I'm sure time is very, very flexible and he can move through time however he sees fits. Unlike us, who are kind of trapped to this linear progression of time, I'm sure he can move well beyond uh, what time is. Uh, so getting out of theoretical stuff. 
we're we're going into Amos seven, and this is starting out with a vision report, and then this is a confrontation between Amos, who was, you know, this farmer who became a prophet, and Amaziah, who's one of these high priests in Jerusalem, and has the ear of the king, which at this point was Jeroboam the second. So we see there's a little bit of conflict between Amos and Amaziah here. And uh, we'll learn a little bit of what it's like to be a Christian even today because of this. So we will start with the reading in Amos chapter 7. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested, and just as the late crops were coming up. When they had stripped the land green, I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive, how can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, the Lord said. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord is calling for judgment by fire. It dried up a great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the Sovereign Lord said. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand, and the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. So, right off the bat here, we see uh, Amos in kind of a confrontation with with uh, God. And we see this often in the Bible, where our heroes of the story are either talking or interacting with God in some way. And very few people, uh, I'm thinking Israel to be exact, actually kind of oppose, or Abram actually is the one that I'm thinking of, uh, Israel. Israel did wrestle with God, but uh, Abraham actually uh, interceded on uh, his, his nephew's behalf a lot in the time of the destruction of of Sodom and Gomorrah, where he, he kind of interceded in the same way. And again, in the same way, uh, God kind of steps down his, you know, his, his punishment to a point uh, in the same way that Abraham, you know, talked him down like, well, if there's even one righteous man in there, won't you spare the city? And God's like, okay, fine. And then he gets the righteous man out of that city, and then he doesn't spare the city any longer. So uh, in the same way, we see that God's still going to destroy uh, Israel. He's just not going to wipe them out. Like he's starting off at the beginning. We see him talking about the crops and their seasons. And uh, Israel or yeah, Israel has two main growing seasons. There's uh, the first which is planted in the autumn and then harvested in the spring. So this is a crop that was put in the ground before uh, winter would be officially in, in there. Uh, Of course in Israel, winter's the more wet season instead of it necessarily being uh, cold and snowy as some of us know here in uh, the U S and the second 
the second uh, season was planted in winter and harvested in the early summer. So the hot time was the only time that they didn't grow crops necessarily. It was that dead heat of summer until it started to cool again in the autumn. And anyways, this first crop was a crop that, you know, the king of the area, or Jerusalem in this case, Jeroboam, he would take a majority of that share. And the second crop was mostly for farmers to make a living off of, to feed their families, to, to you know, help themselves. And uh, so we see that the locusts come and are striking at the second harvest. So this is God's judgment on the people, not just the king. Now, it's going to cause issues for the king because any king who has starving subjects knows that they become unruly. And then he has issues with, you know, people actually following rules and doing what they're supposed to. So this the second crop, this this the locust is threatening is is attacking the people directly and this is god's judgment on the people for allowing the things that have happened that we've gone over for the past uh several weeks and then the second vision includes a symbol of fire and anytime you see fire in the bible it's usually divine judgment or purification as we see times where god is is represented by like a pillar of fire or uh, a flaming glowing person so we we often see uh, divine judgment such as sodom and gomorrah where fire was used to divinely judge people or purification as we see when uh I think as Isaiah has the vision of all the things he did in his life passing through the fire and only the most only the most beneficial stuff survives that. And then we see Amos on both occasions, you know, kind of getting in God's way and saying, Hey, uh, can we not do this? It's gonna completely wipe them out. Like can can we can they have a little mercy? Like I I know they probably don't deserve it, but that's what mercy is. It's undeserved. So could you could you maybe not wipe them out? And God's like, okay, fine. But then he he's like, okay, they're they're going to be destroyed this way though. And uh, this way, God kind of this this kind of gives us insight in how we're supposed to to act today. So for anyone who doesn't know what a plumb line is, it is a construction tool and. Today, we probably have much more advanced lasers and stuff like that, that that would be much, much more useful. But this is a pretty simple tool that uh, anyone can make with a piece of string and a heavy weight. And uh, it doesn't need to be too heavy. I mean, you don't want to break the string. But this this pretty much, this, this weight and string is, is designed to help you see if anything, any given thing is straight. Because whenever you hang a weight from a string and you hold it, it'll hold, it'll hang straight down. Now it'll it'll move a little bit, but it'll pretty much give you a straight line so you can see. You can hold it up and see if anything looks straight or if it's uh, leaning or if it's crooked. So this is this this last vision here is kind of a a metaphor for. Because yeah. when when they would look at that, they'd say, "Is is it true? You know, is it true to the plumb line?" And so this is an outside, an outside, um, an outside standard, an external standard that 
God is going to use to judge Israel by. And of course, we know what that standard is. It is the Old Testament. It is the the Deuteronomy and Levitical laws that he had given these people already. And that is the plumb line he's going to measure them with. And we see that uh, we see that he's going to say that they're not. They're not. So he's going to tear them down and rebuild them. Pretty much is what he's saying there. And even today, we see that our standard of how we should live as Christians is by the examples we see in Jesus in the New Testament. And the Old Testament is very important for us still to read. Don't don't get me wrong. But Jesus is our example. He is our plumb line. He is the one that we try to act like. He's the one we try to emulate. And... Uh, I know we can't do that perfectly every time. And I know that, you know, sometimes we have our our foibles and our flaws and those get in the way. And of course, we're not going to be perfect like Jesus was, but uh, we can definitely do better and we can, we can do more things like Jesus would. It kind of, that's, that's where this whole, what would Jesus do? idea came from those little bracelets that a lot of kids had oh that was you know 15 years ago 10 years ago something like that it had all these wwjd bracelets and whatnot like reminders to to do what jesus does and again he's he's our plumb line today that's the point i was getting at so at the end of this he says that the house of jeroboam uh, which could be the current king Jeroboam II, but it could also mean his predecessor Jeroboam I, who actually set up these high sanctuaries, these high places that were not what God had wanted. They were not the correct temples. They were not. There was things in them that weren't correct. They would blend in, you know, other beliefs and stuff like that. And we've we've talked on several episodes about how. Often you would find other belief systems in the same temples as the temples of God, and that's that's what they're getting at. Those those kind of he's saying he's going to tear down those places, and of course when uh, Assyria comes in, they destroy a lot of these high places because they see worship of God as a as a blasphemous thing in their culture. So they would destroy a lot of these high places because they're even associated with God. And of course, God's like, you know what? You could destroy those. I don't even care. They're not. They're not. They're not really directed at me. So thank you. Please wipe those out. Those false sanctuaries and whatnot. Thank you. Like this is how He uses uh, evil for good. So we'll continue on with Amos seven at verse ten. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising conspiracy against the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer, go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there, and do your prophesying there. Do not prophesy any more at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord, you say. 
do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the decadence of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die a pagan, in a pagan country. And Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. So we see Amos didn't take too kindly to Amaziah challenging him. Amaziah is pretty much accusing Amos of just stirring up trouble. Uh, apparently being a prophet was a, well, it's still a thing today, actually. Now that I think about it, it, it was pretty, it was a way to make a living, I guess you could say. And diviners and stuff like that was also a way to make a living back then. And it still is today, unfortunately. So Amaziah is pretty much calling him just, you know, a street preacher that's trying to stir up trouble that he's known for stirring up trouble that he does this all the time. So how can we believe everything he says? You know, he's just, he's trying to discredit Amos in, of course, Amos is like, dude, I was a farmer before I did this. I had, you know, and we, we, we kind of dug into this a little bit at the beginning of Amos, you know, he, he had a good, good life. He wasn't just some farmhand. He was a farm owner. Like he, he owned land. He owned cattle. He owned, you know, he owned a lot of stuff. Like he was not, he was not in need of money when he became a prophet. So pretty much Amaziah is calling him a prophet for profit <laughs> to play on words there. Uh, and Amos is like, dude, yeah, you're you're way off on this one. So Amos refers to how he, you know, he was a farmer, not a prophet, and then he talks about how his father wasn't a prophet, and he probably says, you know, my father's father wasn't a prophet, and like there's there's no there's no way you can call me a prophet for the fact of making a living when this is not something that I have any history of doing or anyone in my family has history of doing. So uh, you're talking out of your butt, Amaziah, pretty much is what he's saying. And then uh, we, he talks again about the exile of Israel, that they will you know, go away from their native land. And exile is very much a punishment that we see often in the Bible where Israel forgets what they're doing. They are not following God correctly. You know, they, they, they get in the way of their smells. You know, they, they like to do things that they're not supposed to and, and stop following God. And we see that over and over again, they become exiled to their own country, the promised land that God's like, Hey, you be my people. You do good things. This is your land. And so of course, when they're not doing good things, they're not being God's people like they should be. God's like, okay, exile. You know, you're getting sent to your room, quote unquote, pretty much is what, what God's doing to them with these. And then Amaziah gets cursed here by Amos. Uh, and of course, this is because Amaziah was insulting Amos for just stirring the pot and trying to make money off of it. And Amaziah has avoided calling Amos a prophet. And in fact, the word he's saying, even though he might have called him a prophet in English translations, the original text 
Amaziah is specifically not using any word that could be associated with prophet. It's actually a word that is associated with seer, which again would be going to that more mystical, you know, reading your future sort of uh, uh, tradition instead of being a prophet of God. Again, trying to to dismiss how much he knows or how legitimate he is. So then Amos refutes him and then curses him. And I mean, this is a rough punishment. He says, your wife's going to be a prostitute, which I really don't need to explain. Uh, so your sons and daughters will fall by a sword. Like they're all going to die and the land will be divided up. Like you're going to lose all your land and everything. And then you will go die in a pagan country. So pretty much he's saying you're going to be taken as a slave to another country all your stuff's going to be gone. Your wife's going to be a prostitute and your children will be dead. And then you will die in that foreign country away from her God. And like, this is a pretty rough curse. <laughs> Even by today's standards, that's a pretty rough curse. You know, if you tell someone, I want you to die in a foreign country. I want your wife to go become a prostitute and your children to die. That is a curse. I, I, I don't know how else to put that. So, and I'm not sure if this happened to Amaziah. I'm not sure if this is prophetic or if this is just Amos, you know, wishfully thinking this upon him because he was probably a thorn in Amos' side this entire time that he's been a prophet. So this is probably just Amos getting a little angry and, you know, venting, which we all do from time to time. And uh, again, we're not perfect like Jesus was, but he did get angry every now and then. If we, we want to talk about that too, uh, you know, just because he's perfect doesn't mean he didn't get angry. Now he would get angry in an unsinful manner, which unlike us, I'm sure is uh, definitely an interesting kind of anger. Uh, we tend to fall into sin too much when we anger. We, we tend to focus more on, you know, how we're feeling and, and what we want and what, we can get from the situation and what we're not getting from the situation. And that tends to be the wrong kind of anger. Whereas when Jesus was angry, he was angry about how people were treating God. He was angry about how they were blatantly sitting in the, in holy places or in the presence of God sort of thing. And that, that was the sort of thing he would get angry about. It wasn't about them being disrespectful to him anytime he was disrespected or treated poorly he would often just you know let it let it go not not respond because again he knew he had the power to respond in a very powerful way and of course it'd be like us swatting at a fly even if we didn't mean to harm it if we if he would retaliate in the same manner it would destroy people so what's the takeaway for today we see that uh, Amos here gives us a, a good example of what it's like to try and follow God, even if we're flawed humans. You know, he still gets angry. He cursed Amaziah here, and maybe that was a little over the top. Uh, and maybe he, he didn't need to. But, of course, we don't also know how big of a thorn in Amos' side Amaziah was. Uh, the fact that it made it in the story at all probably means it was was quite uh, he was quite the thorn. But we see that even even though Amos has lost his temper here and he's he's still trying to carry out God's will, he's still trying to to do what God has called him to do. Uh, 
So we we see tenacity in in today's reading, I believe, where we continue to do the things that God has called us to do, even when we fail, even when we fall down, even when we mess up, even when we are sinful, even when it's been a bad day. And I've had those, I've had several of those this week. You know, it's just a bad day. Nothing goes right. We, we, we're just in a bad mood and maybe we snap at our wife or kids in a way we shouldn't have. And, and then we have to apologize for that. And, it doesn't feel good. We just had a bad day, you know, and, and we're still called to continue doing what God wants us to do, you know, and act in a way much like Jesus. He was our example. Even if we're not feeling good, even if we had a bad day, and we still give those things up to God every day, you know. I, I, I had a bad day last week, and and at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? This was a terrible day, God. You've seen it all. Uh, I give it up to you. Uh, you you make something good of it because I obviously didn't, uh, and it's just one of those things. You have a bad day like that, you gotta give it up to God and continue on. And uh, if Chris is listening, I, I hope that you continue on too, man. We hope to see you back soon. Uh, I will continue on with this podcast at our regularly timed schedule, and I promise I will do my best to actually make sure that's edited correctly this time instead of releasing blank aether episodes and i really i really appreciate everyone who is listening on a regular basis and thank you guys for allowing us to do this and take up a chunk of your time every day uh really appreciate that thank you for listening to the revelation on demand podcast please like share and subscribe wherever you catch your podcast from please if you like what we're doing share this with a friend family member or someone from your church this is a completely private venture receive no funding from any sources if you have any comments questions or concerns please feel free to contact me at revelation on demand at gmail.com god bless and see you next time